How y'all doing? <laughs> one, two, testing one, two. Hello. How y'all doing? We doing great. All right now. All right. <laughs> awesome sauce. All right, we have a guest coming in today. Um, but before we get to the guests, um, they're going to be here around 6 o'clock. But before we get to the guests, we're going to do some announcements for um, Underground Books. Yeah, we got some good things going on. Yeah. Underground Books has children's story time, summer, fall series, books, readings, activities, age 3 to 10, B-Boy Buzz. September 23rd, <laughs> October 28th. We all highlighted September yes, 23rd yes, yes. to October 28th. Yes. Yeah, so, um, and also too, we have coming to the Guild Theater, a one-man play, um, "The Absent Father," "The Wayward Son." Um, so you can view the trailer online at brandonhughes.net. It's a Brandon Hughes production at the Guild Theater, like I said, and it's going to be on Friday, September the 22nd, and Saturday, September the 23rd. The 23rd. So um, it's ages 13 and up, and uh, I guess uh, if you below 13, it's PG, PG 13. So um, I guess they have some, it's a one-man show. Very cool. Yes. Hey, Tony, how you doing? Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Tony just walked in. Underground Books presents Discussion and Book Signing featuring David Osborne, Wednesday, September 13, 2017, 6 o'clock p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Reinventing America's Schools, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the book is right here. It looks very nice. It's right there on that table. See it right there on the table? Yeah. Reinventing American Schools. So I wonder what that's about. That's, that sounds very interesting. Well, it's about time, don't you think? <laughs> there needs to be yes, some new it's things It's about happening. time, and I don't know what the book is about, but yes, it's about about time that we talk about reinventing the school. So this is the next one. Um, we have here, it's a discussion and book signing right here at Underground Books. It is going to be featuring Malika Singleton. And it's September September 16th from 2 to 4 p.m. That's going to be this weekend coming up. Conversation with top real estate, real estate investors. So uh, come on through if you want to be a uh, real estate investor. Real estate cannot be lost or stolen, nor can it be carried away Purchase with common sense, paid for in full, in full, and managed with reasonable care. It is about the safest investment in the world. Franklin D. Roosevelt. So that was his quote. Uh, Malika Singleton is a founder and CEO of Singleton Investments and CEO of the Saint Nia Foundation Incorporated. She has a doctorate degree in neuroscience from University of California. Davis. Do not miss this inspiring and exciting event about real estate. So come on through, and if you want to um, get down and dirty with the real estate game, you better come through on uh, September 16th from 2 to 4. September 16th. another book signing discussion here that will take place on September 20th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Everyone can meet the Reverend Angel Coyote. Williams, mm -hmm. and she will be discussing her book, Radical Dharma, and this book is to grow on and to deepen over to partner with Alice Walker. Okay, she give a big ups to uh, 
Miss Williams about Radical Dharma. And once again, that is an exclusive book signing and discussion Wednesday, September 20th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. right here at Underground Bookstore, 2814 35th Street, Sacramento, California. Oak Park. Oak Park. Oak Park. <laughs> Oak Park. <laughs> Let me see that. Let me see that. Yeah. Um, Got some interesting book discussions. Yeah, and, and it says ta- uh, Talking Race, Love, and Liberation. Ah, that's what we're doing. Here. Yeah, Talking Race, talking Love. Talking Race, guess, Love, uh, and Liberation. I guess you're going to meditate yourself to some freedom. A higher place. So uh, <laughs> that sounds, uh, sounds that sounds very interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah, that sounds, sounds like, really interesting. Yeah, that's a radical twist. dharma. I mean, because you know, usually um, the meditation stuff is not radical at all. No, you know. So, no. It, it, but yeah, it she's is, gonna she's gonna is, present her. You got to go deep. She's gonna present her her take on the radical dharma stuff. So, Reverend Angel Coyoto, that sounds very interesting. Is she from well, here? I don't know if she's from here. Is she local? Do you know if she's local? No, she's on the phone. Um, so I, I think the best thing is just come on out and check it out. And uh, check it out and see what she has to say. Yeah, Quite honestly, it sounds like an assignment for me, for she's the observer, Z- so I wouldn't mind coming to check it out and see what she got to say. She's a Zen priest. Ah. A Zen priest. Mm. I think I will come out and check it out. Yeah, she's it. a Zen priest. Yes. Assistant. I mean, if you're into the holistic or... stuff, I mean, you know, <laughs> these day and age, I mean, like you said, you got to reach a D. You got a new wave. New wave, you know, as far as radicalism, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything got to be radical now to age of Trump. Huh? <laughs> hey, hey. Yes. That's the new wave. Right, right. It's the way to go. Like it? Yeah. Or hate it. Right, right, right. So um, welcome to Black Talk Sacramento, number 35. And um, yes, this is number 35. And we meet here every second Tuesday of the month from 5 to 7. And we are, we usually hosted by, so my name is Insa Ah. I'm Jerry Goss Simpson. I'm Antonio, quote unquote, Tony Harvey. And, and, uh, and Mary Shell Brown is going to be here a little later, hopefully. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and he usually sits in this seat. And um, yeah, yeah. And uh, supposed yeah. to have a guest today, or we're going to have sure we're going to have a guest. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Well, I know. I was hearing Henry Harry might be stepping up to the plate. You know, but also the, uh, Sacramento County Sheriff deputies. And we have that guy I wear. Oh, yes, yes. Just Uptown. the man I need to have a discussion with. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we have some new art on the wall. It's coming up. So they, they got the little stickies on there where they're going nice. to put Looks the... Nice. Yeah, so who is this nice. artist? Um, it's a person by the name of Clay Wilson. Clay Wilson. Clay Wilson is on the walls, going up on the walls right now. It's very interesting. And Clay good, Wilson man. is from... I don't know. I don't have any other information on Clay Wilson right now. I just have the name um, because they they situate and everything. You got a flyer for Clay Wilson? The name of his art uh, exhibit is Shades of Blackness. Shades Shades of Blackness. Blackness. He is a dentist. He's a dentist. Oh, really? No wonder it looks so, you know, meticulous. (laughs) (laughs) And he's from where? Huh? He's got quite a story. Okay. So uh, his art talk is going to be Saturday. November 5th. Saturday, Saturday November, November 5th. 5th. Here at Underground Books. Here yeah. at um, Clay Underground Wilson. Books. Clay Wilson. He's Clay a dentist. Wilson. Yeah. No wonder. Well, I like his artwork so far, so it's definitely... Uh, yeah, it makes my teeth hurt. See, <laughs> see how you work out, bro? <laughs> well, at least he could fix it for you. <laughs> He'll make it work for you. That's what I say. It's November fourth. Excuse us. It'll be on November the fourth. It's always good to have a lawyer. Saturday, November fourth. Five to seven. Five to seven p.m. Here at Underground Books. Saturday, Underground November fourth. Clay Wilson. Shades of Blackness, y'all. Yeah. Coming soon. Got it. 
It's always good to have a dentist, a lawyer. Yeah, check you out. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know when the dentist comes, he look at your smile and stuff, boy. So you better be ready. Better. <laughs> Had them pearly whites ready. So how's everything going? I was about to say what was going on with you guys. I ain't seen you in a minute. Hey, see man, you, you know. See you social, you know, social media-wise, but... Well, it's been my first time back out since I had my surgery, but a lot of things have been happening. I got to show y'all and share with y'all. You know, since I left the last time, I've had two fashion shows. Right. So um, I've got my first editorial spread in a fashion magazine coming out of New York City called Promo Magazine. Okay. So we bring in fashion uptown in the design district. All right. And so I'm representing pretty hard. So okay. this is the fall edition, um, September edition for promo and from what i hear and so far there's about three other magazines that are going to pick up my stuff so but I'm let, working me, pretty let me hard. ask you this how did that become to be how did you be, uh, become part of a, a promo well you know what focus? i um i worked with a young lady who i actually got into modeling in the whole nine yards and she spun off and became a um stylist and her love interest is a photographer so they both work together and they they actually shop things around to different magazines and so this happens to be a Condé Nast magazine if you're all familiar with Condé Nast they handle Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and okay. all that kind of stuff so I'm giving it a big ooh-ooh because you know this is kind of cool coming out of Sacramento y'all mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and yeah. how can we well, you know, it's an online magazine, so you you can go to promo um, promomagazine.com and you can get it because they they don't actually sell the magazine because they build each one. So to get the magazine as a hard copy, it becomes pretty expensive. Yes. But being that my stuff was inside, I had to go and go ahead. And oh, no, no problem with that. It does look like a <laughs> yeah, nice quality. It's very uh, nice. Very nice. So I'm like publication. On, on several pages here. On several? Yeah. So I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been good. It's a great thing. <laughs> I'm having a good time. So yeah. what's happening? I see you all over the world too, sir. Yeah, yeah. I always see you doing something very historical. Uh, I'm always trying to slow down, but it's, that's not what we do in this business. You no. know that. So, but yeah, I'm already laying down some more uh, traveling uh, events to coming up. But yeah, I'm, hey, I'm just trying to be like you, man. I'm trying to be everywhere. No, man. You know, it, it, the thing about it is when you work and, and the things that you do, ah, this is this is my guest coming through the door. Okay, okay. very good. This is Mr. Dennis Peterson. All right, Mr. Dennis. This Peterson. is uh, a lot of Dennis's in here. Oh, this okay. is have a seat there for a minute, sir. This is uh, right, Mr. Dennis, Dennis Peterson. That, um, right. that guy, <laughs> that guy I wear. That guy I wear. That's yes, right. Uptown and Design. Oh District. boy, boy, boy. So we, we get a lot know, of good information about him. I've been hearing. I know we haven't brought him on yet, but I've been hearing so many good things about this. This is guy. the man. I met him uh, about a year ago uh, at a new phase development event, and he's booming. He's booming. Every time I look around, I say, hey, where you get your eyewear from? That oh, guy. That guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know what's so cool about it? He can help you get your eye drove together. You know, you hip to your eye drove, which means that you got to have more than it's one like pair. like wardrobe? That's like a wardrobe, but your eye drove. You got eye to have drove. one or one pair. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be always wearing the same pair. You know, every once in a while, change up. That's special. Yeah, and that's special. That's real special. That's yeah. good, too. I'm, so go I'm ahead, glad so to many, many good things happening with his, uh, his business, especially over there in North Sacramento. That's it. That I got to get my eye drove together. Yes. Yes, I don't I don't think I have an eye drove. I have, um, I have one pair 
I have, no, I have two pairs, right? Say, so that's, that's how and I got. No, I've never see, seen. I got to mess up. See, I, maybe I should have went to you because I went to that that place called um, Scanton, whatever it's called. <laughs> and they got me, boy, because I was like, oh, I get two pairs for this amount of money. And then I went in there and and they got me. Yeah, they got me really good. And so I, I end up spending a lot more than I thought I was going to spend. Well, I promise you that guy will become your friend. He'll become somebody that you yeah, want to know better. Yeah, I probably should have went to that guy. Hey, <laughs> that guy. I probably yeah. should have went to that guy because they really got me. <laughs> well, and then you know, the bifocals—they made the bifocals, but the 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 the, fo- the the line is way low. So you got to look deep. And I, no, I, every time I have to read, I have to do like this, like yeah. push my glasses. Oh, up. so you got to look high. Yeah, and then when I when I go to when I at the, at the at the office, I have like some I have a pair that's taped up, like because I have two pairs. <laughs> so I have one that's taped up, so I can be like that. So, so you get your Urkel. It's on. all bad. Yeah, it's all bad. It's the Jabu. It's the Jabu. Thank you. Sorry about that, sister. But. Uh, I saw her win a uh, pair of his eyewear, and I was, that was it. I was sold. I was yep. sold. Okay. And she was proud of what she was wearing that day. And that was at uh, Marshall's uh, open and house Marshall, event. That's right. Mm-hmm. Marshall got a pair of that guy. Yeah, and he does. That's right. Mm-hmm. He does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, Ayana got a pair of that it's, guy. It's contagious. It's catching it's on. Ca- it's catching on. I just got to get in there myself. I really do have to get in there. We have to talk about that. And I do owe you a story. It's been a long overdue, but since your business has been building up, this guy right here writes for the Observer News. Yeah, Observer talk about News. Observer News. Talk about the Observer, Observer News. News. The Observer yes. News. Let's do the Observer <laughs> News. Uh, what's happening? What do we have in the Observer News? Okay, well, I want to talk about this event that's going and it, on. And wait, just one second. Um, before we go into that, you can purchase the Observer News right here at Underground Books. Yeah, that that's is right. right. And, yeah, no um, it's, right, it's located at 2814 35th Street, Sacramento, California. Or you can give her a call, 916-737-333 and another three. That's right. And you can, yeah, give her a call and see if she has a book available for you, as well as um, we, they have a new website. You can purchase <laughs> things online. So go online and you can purchase all the books you want online. It's well, the, go ahead there, Mother yeah, Rose. It's the, it's, the, it's the Black Amazon. So, right, okay, is, next step. It, <laughs> the Black <laughs> Amazon. It is. It is. Okay. Right now, she's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. And she's, and she's everywhere. Underground books. Yeah, That's underground right. books. So now, on to the Observer News. <laughs> Observer News. Observer News. Observer News. Yeah, well, you know, and I want to just get you guys quick thought about this. I don't know y'all know about the Advanced Peace uh, program that's about to start. It's channeled through the city. It's this uh, program that try to get these so-called uh, street life people, yeah. not necessarily gang members. I don't want to call them that. Oh, yeah, they're paying know. them not to kill each other. Or well, something. that's Hold on, that video. put out there, but that's not the... That's, that's not what it's about. Okay. Okay. We're trying a little thing called gun suppression. Gun These suppression. People, they're trying to help them. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, help them with their life skills and social skills and whatever else that they need, you know, uh, socially to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to re- curb some get of that them to action. Rethink, right. Curb some of that action and get them to rethink about what they're doing out there and help themselves. Okay. Because right now, one of the biggest problems is gun violence. I mean, every time we hear somebody getting shot, we hear two or three or four people, maybe five people getting shot. For instance, they were shooting a video out there in Meadowview Park. What was that August 27th? Five people got shot. One person died. One 39-year-old man died. And a couple of days later, the Advanced Peace Program passed 9-0 down at City Hall. There was a little friction going on. It was a good discussion. We always like to have good dialogue about this. And 
also what you said too, Lawrence, about people think that you know we're, we're paying them not to do crime, but that's not it. You know, okay. if they do that crime, they the go case. to jail. Okay, that's that that's just not somebody it. should not have to pay you not to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it's all about. It's it's about identifying these people who um, have these type of backgrounds and try to get them, you know, to. Uh, like I said, we think what they're doing out there because a lot of innocent people getting hit, you know, from Del Paso to Meadowview to so uh, so Mackerel, what so what are they okay Valley so what's Park. the what's the I mean, what's the details Center. of the of do you know the details it's of a seven the? it's a seven step program but I haven't got the full details on it it's a seven step program uh, that's going to cost that? about one point five million dollars the city is putting in and don't quote me on this I think the city is putting in one point five million dollars in another nonprofit I want to say the Sierra foundation is putting in $1.5 million. So it's a matching fund or it could be the other way around. The total could be $1.5 million and 750,000 be coming from the city and another 750,000 come from another nonprofit. So it's like matching funds. Um, It's being ran by the Sacramento uh, gang and task force. Mm. uh, Khalid Mataki which I really got to bring him in there and he can explain that more. I'm going to try to work on that for next next month so he can explain more about what they're doing. And uh, it's it's been a model program. It, so have they it tried done, it somewhere else? They tried it in Richmond and it worked. Okay. I ain't going to say it worked, but it had some success it to it. it. It reduced it. Redu- about 50%, they said. Okay. Uh, they tried it or it's ongoing in Stockton. And we know what type of problem they've been having in the mm. past, but they didn't quiet down in Stockton too. So yeah, this is where we at. You know, the, the community basically support it, but you know, when the media get out there, they try to sell it. Right, right. Know, Put and, a negative spin on it. Um, I, I had reservations about it too, but when you, once you look into it, you got to try something these days. Uh, so it's going to be a is risk. It a, is it a job program or what? Is, what kind of program uh, is they, it? They get a stipend. That's where the money they're talking about. I think I don't know how much these guys get. They get a stipend to they, attend or to, uh, to be a part of it. But there's this is a seven step program that you got to go through to you know to make this money. Okay. Okay. And now for, it could be. What are the things that's like I said. It's a seven step program. Mm-hmm. I do not have all the details for mm-hmm. you. Okay. But what Mataki was telling me, it could be something like, "Hey, you need to." Go work on getting your driver's license, or you need to go to anger management classes, okay? Or you need to settle up with your mother about some issues or something like that. I mean, it, it so, so small the, or big. So, so, so that's the, what he was telling me. I I don't know. So it's highly personal. It's the program. Individual. It's, 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 it's yeah, definitely it's a personal, personal program. Yeah. Mm. It's personal. Yeah, and it's not like hey, you know. We're going to try to help you go to school and help you get an education because, you know, everybody's not cut out for that. So they kind of steer away from that. We're just trying to help you be a better person and be a productive uh, citizen Citizen in Sacramento because we want our streets safe for everybody. everybody. Mm. That's what they're trying to do. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I had reservations about this whole thing when I first heard about it. But anything, I mean, we got to try try, something. You got to try something. You got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because if you don't do anything, it just keeps going. Well, just think you start. I mean, it reduced gun violence 50% in Richmond. Yeah. Okay. Advanced pre, advanced peace. Advanced peace. Is it a residential program? It's ran through the city. That's all I can tell you. Mm. So it's, it's matching funds city. from different places. But it's match, getting matching funds from different places, yeah. So well, a lot of nonprofits are going to be involved with this, too. Okay. Because, you know, like Always that. Knocking and uh, The Voice of Youth. Okay. Oh, boy. Axios. Okay. Uh, yeah. Axios can. Uh, uh, right. 
they know these people. Okay. You know, they they're know cool. they know yeah, the shooters. I'm just I'm not the alleged yeah. shooters. They know their mama, their daddy, they know what they're they going have, through. Or they have a close association. Right. They, they, they in the street. Right. They know these people. Right. Or they have like a one degree association it, yeah. from mm-hmm. whom whoever somebody that they know knows somebody's knows somebody. Right. And you gotta have those type of people to work with. <laughs> yeah, you gotta with, have those connections. Which yeah. they're gonna call a outreach coordinators. They're gonna have a program director and three or four outreach uh coordinators. coordinators. And I I would assume that the outreach coordinators are the ones, you know, who got their ears to the street. Yeah. Well, you do have to think outside the box, you know, when you want to solve a problem like that. So, um, and also, I mean, there's no jobs, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, there's no jobs. So, you know, what they're going to do is, you know, it, it, the streets become bloody when, you know, when there's no employment yeah. like that. And uh, now, so what else you got? So uh, James Wheatley over at the Celebration Arts is going to be moving. They oh. are into their last show. Uh, yeah, I heard about Motown. that. Right. They are, they supposedly it hasn't been inked. The deal hasn't been inked, but they're moving out of their East Sacramento home where they've been for 23 years. Yeah. They will be moving to the form, was going to be the former uh, B Street Theater. Okay. Okay. With, uh, what's his name? Timothy Busby, I think. They're, they're moving into another, you know, the city helped them out, gave uh-huh. them some money. They built another theater somewhere. So Celebration Art. Is Maybe, moving to town, basically. Supposedly, I would say 90%, supposed to be filling in, occupying that space that B th- the B Street Theater is leaving behind. Okay. And once again, you know, James Wheatley, who I dearly love, he's been operating there for 23 years. Mm-hmm. He's been around since, what, 1986, but he's been at this location for 23 years. Well, this will bring him closer to town, and it'll make him more visible. So uh, do they have a place already that they're going this to? This is the place that he wants, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to get it. He hasn't signed on the dotted line, but, you know. It, this is where he wants built, to go. Right. right now, I think it's only like 2,000 2, square feet. The B, the, the B Street Theater is... 6,000 square feet. Yeah, so he have a, a lot size. of room to do big a lot of stuff over okay, there. Okay, very cool. Bigger productions. Bigger productions, you know, bigger stage, of course. But also, like more I said, it brings them more to the city. It brings them more in town. Yeah. Well, you know, I like that little coziness he had down there in uh, yeah. East Sacramento. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, right. you know, you can open up, maybe you can do a lot more musical, dance numbers and stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, that'd be like cool. That. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe some, um, you know, animatronics or something, you know. Yes. 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 Yeah. You know, yeah. the lighter system is So how be long has they been at the other location? 23 years. 23 years at the old location. Wow. I remember when I first started, uh, when I got hooked up to them, when they used to do an art and soul festival out at what is no longer uh, the Radisson Hotel on Business 160. Mm-hmm. And okay. they used to do that for many years. Then a lot of other people started replicating what he was doing. So that kind of knocked that out. But he's, he's still been going strong. His production's still been going strong. And uh, he's been knocking it out the ballpark. Yes, I haven't seen uh, Motown. I think this is the last week for the, the Motown, the uh, Motown stage review. play. Okay. It's not a review. It's it's a stage It's play more telling the story. About the thing that happened in uh, 1967, mm-hmm. the riots or rebellion or uh, revolution or uh, whatever was going on back there. I ain't okay. going to say whatever was going on back there. The riots. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's where we at on that. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. And um, so good luck to them. Celebration Arts. Good luck to luck. you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, very. Yeah. yeah. Madison Keys beat Sloan Stevenson for the U.S. Open Championship, Women's Open Championship this past weekend. That is big. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Three black women got to the semifinals. One wins. Okay. Venus got knocked out in the semifinals by one of these two. I think it was uh, 
Oh, Venus got knocked out. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the semifinal. Oh, wow. These are young and up and coming. Yeah, they're the next generation. And they are the next, you know, it's hard to run around with younger legs. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, did they they idolize them? Oh, yeah, yeah. They did say that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's why they're in it, too. That's why they're playing. One of them go to Stanford and... Yeah, right. You know, the the Williams sisters are a big part of what they do. Okay. So uh, congratulations on all... Three of them. So beating your beating your hero in a oh that's a, big that's yeah. big that's amazing <laughs> that's big like oh that'd be jacked if yeah. you don't win again ever in your life that's yeah. right right you, that's you, huge yeah, I mean beating Serena is like you know <laughs> that's epic yes so yeah so that all right so we can just slow it down at that pace because I know we got a couple of guests coming okay, in. okay awesome yes sir Michelle I know you're supposed to be coming in but, but thank you, you for here. listening to Observer News Observer News Observer so, News y'all gonna switch locations and gonna um, switch locations and we're gonna bring some people in how about that guest up my first guest is Mr Dennis Peterson now let me tell y'all Dennis has been on the, on the boulevard for the oh. past two years. And he's been building building a very strong, strong following. He's been building a crowd. And a lot of it has to do with that name. He's that guy. <laughs> he's that guy that has a lot of things that are happening. Um, his glasses are unique. I have a couple pair that I don't see nobody walking around in. That is true. <laughs> and uh, without saying any more, I'm I'm proud to know this guy, Mr. Dennis Peterson. Welcome to Black Talk Sacramento. Welcome to Black Talk Sacramento. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. Dennis. Love, I gotta make it with you. Space is a womb, my first and favorite. Right. Okay. So that little segue. So you know, this has been a long time coming. I've been telling this guy I'm gonna get him to come on Black Talk Sacramento for a while. But I wanna um would you say you're how do you say, ophthalmologist? I'm an optician. He's an optician. He is Sacramento's only black optician. Actually, Gus, I'm going to tell okay. you, that's not true. Okay, well, come on, correct me now. There's actually a young lady that has a place over in the African marketplace, Aisha. And she's okay. It's called Suggested Eyewear. So he's one of two. <laughs> that's not a big number still. No. Two. Two. Did I say two? You said one of two, so that's two. One of two, two. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let's ask by let's start by asking you, how did you get into this? Well, back in the eighties, I was actually in electronics and I was between jobs. So I answered an ad in a paper. I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and uh, I was waiting for an ele- another electronic job to come along. And I answered an ad in the paper for an optical lab. And there's certain jobs in optical labs that you can do. There's no experience necessary. It's more like machine operation. So I thought, well, I'll just take this job until another electronic job comes along. Once I got into it, I realized it was another technology that I was fascinated with. So I took it upon myself to learn the technology behind light, what makes light bend, reflect, refract, that kind of thing. And I slowly worked my way up until about three years later, I became a lab supervisor. And in 1989, I moved to Sacramento. I had a job offer here for a company called Horizon Eye Care, which was bought by ProVision at that point. Pearl Vision. Y'all know Pearl Vision? Pearl Vision. Yeah. Pearl Vision. Okay. So now, once you get this job doing this, do you do your own glasses? I always want to ask yes. you, do you make yeah. your own glasses? Yes, I do. Okay. That should be pretty interesting. I got to get out of bed and just, I need a new pair of glasses. How do you make your own glasses? <laughs> you know. Come on. I mean, How do you measure your own eyes? Well, I don't measure my own eyes. I mean, because I'm not an optometrist, so I still have to go and get an eye exam done. Okay. But once I get the prescription, then yeah, I can do all the measurements that I need myself. To fit myself. I find that amazing. Yeah. So, so so how many years does it take to become official? The real deal. In some states it's considered a two year degree. 
There's okay. a there's an optician. The ABO certified is equivalent to a two year degree. ABO masters is a four year degree equivalent. Okay. Now there's somebody young out there, um, and they're wondering, how do I become? This person. Well, most people actually don't go to school. There's a school here in Sacramento called National Career Education. They teach an opticianry program. But I'm here to tell you that most people that are in this business usually apprentice under someone. And that's kind of the way it works. So you take a job and then someone takes you under their wing and they just teach you the ropes. How could, how could you encourage people of color to get to become more involved in, in this <laughs> it's business? It's the million dollar question, isn't it? It's the million dollar question. Um, well, I think it starts a lot sooner than... Uh, getting into the optical business. You know, I think it has to do with school. It has to do with interest in science and interest in math and things like that because, you know, it's one of those kind of businesses where someone says, you know, why am I going to need algebra ever again because I'm never going to use this? But I use it every day in my business. I use calculation of numbers and things like that every single day. Well, going back to the beginning, my family, I was a military brat, so that's how I ended up in Arizona. My family's from New Jersey. But we ended up there. And so I went in the Air Force myself. And when I got out of the Air Force, I went back to Arizona and went to school. And um, I just started in the, in the business down there. Mm-hmm. How did I end up in Sacramento? It was a job offer. I was working for a company in, uh, in uh, Phoenix. And the CEO of the company was shown the door. And he decided to come to California and start his own company. And Sacramento was kind of wide open in the optical community compared to the Bay Area or Los Angeles. So he handpicked a few people that were in management down there to come up here and start the company. And as I said, it was here for about a year or so, and then it was eventually bought out by ProVision. Most of the people that were in management went back to Arizona. Um, I stayed, and one other friend of mine who lives in Vallejo, he stayed. Now, I, I, I have a question. Is there a way that we can, getting back to introducing it to the younger people, right? The maybe, is there a way that we can maybe our you know, introduce it into the school, like high school, so they'll know that these jobs are available. I, I think that's part of it, right? It, yeah. Don't you, nobody if you if you don't know, if you don't know, you don't know. You do right. career day. Right. <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> getting into real. schools itself and just making the students aware that right. you know that there's other avenues that we can pursue besides what are traditional black professions. Right. Right. Like basketball, football. No, just playing. Well, <laughs> See. But I think, you know, I've had conversations with people about that. And I think Uh in order to have a completely contained community, we have to stop thinking about what we don't do. That's it. Right. You know, in other words, you know, like, well, you know, black people don't chase sharks, that kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Well, if we're going to have a completely contained community, somebody's going to have to jump off the boat. And chase the shark. Somebody's going to have to <sighs> jump out of the airplane. Somebody's going to have to chase a hurricane. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Brothers, yeah, hurricane chases. So I we see need it. doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, that whole thing. Forgive me for saying that. But, <laughs> but, you know, but that's, I think it's just an awareness that we need to have all the parts of our community to take care of. Yes. Right. Right. It can't just be, this is what black people do, and then the rest of it we leave up to other, other cultures. cultures to take care of. And I agree with that 100, yeah. Now, I've talked to you many times, and you've, you've talked about how your personal look has been a crazy thing, too. When people see you, they really don't expect you to be you. You know what I'm saying? No, no. I actually had someone come in and uh, said to me, after the second time he came in, when I walked into your shop, I was surprised to see you here. Okay. And I took that. However, I wanted to take that. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, I think that's part of how we stereotype ourselves. Sure. Right. So, wait, okay, so you're saying that one of your cousins said that to you. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, no. No, right. I thought he said customer. Yeah, yeah, but he said one of his cousins. No, I knew what he meant. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, he okay, understood. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, it was, uh, we, have, we, we do have a question from the okay. audience. I'm trying to play the drums. Yeah, we have a question from the audience. Yes. Okay. Are you referring to me? Yes, yes. Two questions. She has two. One for myself and one for my brother. Okay. One for myself is, do you have an optometrist that you work with? Interesting. Well, the short answer is yes, I do have an optometrist I work with. But the longer answer is I'm trying to get an optometrist in my location. Here it goes. So I have quite a bit of space in the back, constantly, and you've seen the yes. back space. Yes. And um, recently I just um, finalized a deal with a, an optometrist in the Chico area that retired. So I'm purchasing his entire exam lane. We're going to bring it down here. And I had a guy that just came out Saturday to, to bid on the build-out. So hopefully by the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I'll have an optometrist on location. Once that happens, then that changes a lot of things. It changes foot traffic, number one, obviously. It changes insurance issues. It changes the neighborhood because it's a very underserved neighborhood. The nearest optometrist to my location is up on Grand Avenue by Grand High School. He's been there for 40-something years. Um, After that, there's no other optometrist in the entire zip code. I'm right across the street from a community clinic, and when and they're mainly physicians' assistants. So when they refer out eye patients, they refer them out to either, um, um, well, I won't mention the clinic's name, but it's out in Rancho Cordova or all the way down in the south area, mm. in the pocket wow. area. Wow, so far. for the people in that neighborhood, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a transportation <laughs> challenge. It's either a bus ride and light rail, and they have to make choices about whether they want to do that or whether they just want to continue dealing with what they've been dealing with. So I think it's, it's definitely a need in the community. Okay, and you said you had two questions. questions. My second question, yes. Uh, for my brother, on, on behalf of my brother, I'd like to know, are you looking for an apprentice by chance? <laughs> well. Studied, uh, he's studying this in school. Oh, wow. Oh, is he? Wow. Yeah. Where's, is, yeah. He's um, studying opticianry or optometry? Um, he's studying well, to make glasses. Okay, opticianry. Uh, um, yeah, have him come talk to me. Yeah. yeah. Tell him to see that guy. Well, well I, I know I'm rocking that guy eyeglasses, uh-huh. eyewear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2010, I was I took a job in Tracy because you know as the, as the economy fell out, I was working for a, a boutique here in Sacramento. And as the economy fell out in 2008, there wasn't just enough there wasn't enough money to keep me working there. So I started looking for another job. My job circle kept getting wider and wider until I ended up working for an ophthalmology practice in Tracy. And at that point, I acquired a few some lab equipment, and I decided I'm just going to start doing wholesale work. And wholesale work is where if you go to a doctor's office and they tell you it's going to take about a week or so to get your glasses, they're sending it to a wholesaler, someone like me. So I started, I just set up in the, in the garage down there. I just set it up, and I just started going out and trying to get some accounts from different doctors if they wanted to just send some of their work my way. So I did that for about four years, and uh, when I came back to Sacramento, I decided to continue that for a while. And the wholesale business can be kind of tough, you know. It's it's one of those things where you you feel like you're doing well, and then at the end of the month you're chasing money, and you know you have to chase your 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 statements. So I decided, well, if I start doing some retail work, then that'll help with the cash flow. So the first thing I did is I just went out to denials and I got a booth out there, and I did denials for about six months. And, you know, it was it was a learning experience. It wasn't lucrative. But it, it enabled me to get my feet on the ground in terms of the wholesale aspect of it. And when I decided to get out of that, I started working for someone just part-time just to keep some money going together. I was riding down Del Paso Boulevard one day, and I saw the for lease sign. And I called my wife at home because I was on my way somewhere else. I said, and I wasn't really looking, but I was just curious what the square foot rate was going to be. 
I just want to know. So if I'm going to start paying attention to this, I need to know what, how much is it going to cost me? So she called and she called me back. I was at Home Depot. She called me back an hour later and said, hey, the lady wants to meet us right now. Oh, wow. So I went down there and one thing led to another and she helped me make it happen. Okay. So she was, she, the, I, the business that was in there before was disrupted to the neighborhood. Let's just put it that way. So she left the place vacant for almost two years. She just refused to rent to anything until it was become a positive type of business. So when she found out what I do, she was very excited about it. So. We sat down, we negotiated the lease, and she made it happen. Everything's been working since Well, it, it's, it hasn't just been working. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of work involved. Right. You know, and I'm there, I'm there virtually seven days a week. Um, yep. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work involved with it. But if it's a labor of love, it's, it's then, it, you know. It's, it's what you do. It's what you do, you know. And I, I, I'd say maybe the, the better answer to your question was probably about 10 years ago, I started realizing that, you know, when you work for someone and the boss is playing golf, that you're pretty much doing it. So at that point I realized, well, I'm making a lot of money for this guy. I should think about doing it for myself. This is a lesson in entrepreneurship. So, you know, um, that guy eyewear has the most amazing trunk shows. If you're familiar with eyewear trunk shows, how often do you have a trunk show? We have trunk shows every three months. Every three months, In fact, he we're gives. We're having one coming up on the 29th. There you go of oh. September, and that will be the two-year anniversary of the shop. So, oh, celebrate with us this two incredible years Uptown Design District. That guy eyewear second anniversary customer appreciation party and trunk show September 29th, 4 p.m. eight to 8 p.m. maybe ish. <laughs> Ain't no party like a that guy eyewear party, and I promise you all, he, he, he gives a good <laughs> party. And he always has the best new, latest, and greatest eyewear on display. Yes? Yes, that's true. We, I just opened an account with Kazell. I'm sure a lot of us know what Kazell or Kazal is. Oh, yeah, the Gazelle. Got your Gazelle. So <laughs> that's been doing pretty well for me. You generate a lot of your business by word of mouth? Uh, I do advertising and, uh, well, I'm on the 97.5 KDE. Yeah, I heard. And also I do some advertising in Sacramento News and Review, Yelp, uh, things mm. like that. But um, I think ultimately in this business, it's always going to be word of mouth. So wait a minute. At this party, you're going to have celebrity chef Richard Purnell. Celebrity chef Richard Purnell. He's going to be serving the libations. Celebrity chef Richard Purnell. I call him a celebrity chef because he's been doing quite a few spots on Sack & Co. That's it. 10. And That's I it. think he was on CW13 as well. Yeah. And he also catered the one-year anniversary party, and he did such a wonderful job that uh, I wanted to have him back. Chef Pinnell's a cool dude. Yeah, he, he's been around. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you, I was at that one-year party, and I'll be at the second-year party. <laughs> and we started, um, this, we started having music, actually, also. Uh, okay. That started with uh, Aguna's son and Jimmy Malone, who used to play at uh, Mama Kim's restaurant. And Aguna's a friend of mine, and he... Uh, volunteered to play at one of the shows for my birthday and it went over so well that I decided the last show to have another uh, another musical act so we had this uh, the Great King Blues Band they play out at the Powerhouse Pub in Folsom so this time it's going to be a DJ instead DJ Rock Bottom mm -hmm. DJ Rock Bottom you know who you know yeah okay yes. yeah so and that's why we says four to eight-ish because in the back space where once we build out the doctor's office, there will be no more space in the back okay. to do this. <laughs> okay. So we're going to clear it out. And if people want to stick around and dance and have some good times with us. and So we're, it's we're a good there. excuse to clear it out. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on that last weekend. And this yeah, weekend, very yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. Ain't yeah. no party like that guy party. Uh, that guy party. Yes. September 29th. 
Dance into the evening with legendary DJ Rock Bottom, classic eyewear from. So, are you going to have your eyewear on? Pre- now, do you build your glasses from scratch, or how do you? Well, how, do you, how does that? There are work? frame manufacturers. What I do is I cut the lenses and I, I do the prescription part. Okay. But frames are bought from the factories. Okay. Uh, right. There's large factories in Italy. I've heard people have heard of Luxottica, and it's one okay. of the largest manufacturers in the world. But we we purchase the frames. A lot of times, I'll buy closeouts, so the price is going to be a little bit lower. Okay. Very cool. Um, I do have some vendors that I buy direct from and those are the ones that are going to be at the trunk show okay. uh, Jonathan Kate uh, is one designer that's I think he's out of North Carolina but unlike Calvin Klein or Armani I speak to Cal- Jonathan Kate on the phone oh okay he actually is involved hands-on in the business and oh. some very nice stuff that he does and then Kazal is obviously people have heard about Kazal so um, but the lenses yeah, that's the part I do Kazal yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. So you 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 fit the you fit the lenses to the to the frames. Run DMC. Yeah. And uh, so when you, you know, walk into your office, they'll... you have them all all presented up. Like yeah, a we, yeah. We have displays. It's, it's okay. a regular boutique. Okay. Very yeah. cool. And, and I take that. Give us a a description of are they fashion glasses? Are they just glasses? Sportswear? That guy glasses. <laughs> they uh, got that part. Yeah. Get the other part. Well, you know that's an interesting question because when I first went in, that I was thinking because of the neighborhood that I was in, that I was going to try to be very economical. For example, Medi-Cal doesn't pay for glasses for adults anymore. So I wanted to have product that was going to be economical for people in the neighborhood. And they could, but I really quickly realized that you know they don't we, want we want designer. You know we want high-end stuff so mm-hmm. i started having to change my inventory quite a bit for that reason mm. and you got these, sharp stuff man these high designer names got names behind them of course i probably wouldn't know anything know. beyond some, ray-ban some of them okay. well and some of them some do, but that's a whole nother world some of them do but the interesting thing about that is what an optician considers designer and what the consumer considers designer are two different things what you consider designer is what we call branded and yeah. it may all come out of the same factory, Luxottica, for example. And then at the end of the process, they'll put the Christian Dior on the side or the, or the right. Coach on the side. But it's all the same manufacturing process. So, right. And Coach makes handbags. And, and Armani makes suits and Fendi makes whatever. But what we consider designers, and it's all that's branding. all they do. For example, Jonathan Kate, that's all they do is make eyeglasses. Or Pro Design is another line that I carry. That's all they do is make glasses. They don't, they don't do with suits and bags and none of that. What about somebody like Foster Grant? Foster Grant is um, Foster Grant is all about the lenses. It's, it's the polarized, the lenses. polarized lenses, and they're not they're polarized. They're not ophthalmic quality or a lot thinner. You can bend them and that kind of thing. But it's easy for somebody to go to a drugstore and get a pair right. of Foster Grants. That's where they sell them, and they are polarized. That's where they steal them at. You said. Do tell. But yeah, those that's stuff you can get at the drugstore, and you could probably get into a pair of Foster Grants for ten fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's when you get into the higher end sunglasses, whether it's a Ray-Ban or Serengeti's or Bollet's or Varney's, most of the cost is in the lens. Mm-hmm. But I can't trust them, you know, store-bought Rite Aid. As you shouldn't. Moment. You shouldn't because. It just don't seem like it's good. Spend a little more money, man. Well, you shouldn't because the lenses usually don't have any UV protection. And why that's important is because people think that just because you have sunglasses, you have sun protection. But the reality is, if there's no UV protection in the lens and you're behind a sun lens, your pupil open up, opens up wider. And it actually allows more UV in. So it's actually more harmful sure. to have that. Mm. And, you know, cataracts is one of the number one diseases that African-Americans have. And I just, you know, in terms of... Say that one more time. Cataracts is one of the number one diseases... That African Americans suffer from. So you saying that wearing the UV ones will? Everyone should have UV protection. A lot of times, if you go to another eyeglass shop, they charge you extra for UV coating, but I don't do that. 
because I just UV every it's lens. All in one package. Because right. I, there's no point in it because it doesn't take any longer to do. It's just putting it into a vat. So UV is a coating. You put it into the vat. And so if I can just put it in there and walk away from it, why am I going to charge you more when I know that it's important for your eye health to have Well, it? thank you for protecting the brother. Yeah, that's some knowledge. Okay. I know that is knowledge. Yeah. Um, so what? So what brand is yours? I see yours are. Nice. Uh, the same brand is. <laughs> <what> <laughs> is <it? laughs> same brand. Same brand. Same brand. It's got uh, a little. Got a little diamond on the side. It's, it's, it's Scott Harris is in the, is the line. <laughs> okay. All right. Very cool. Scott Harris vintage. Look, he just has really. Like, oh, <laughs> I got fancy ones. I didn't know I had fancy. You got ones. real cool glass, man. <laughs> And again, that's a designer that you know a lot of us haven't heard of. But okay, right. but again, they don't. So make and people, you know, what, let me say, since you said there's a designer that a lot of people haven't heard of, you got to start trusting designers that you don't know about because every designer that's out there ain't necessarily good just because you hear about it. So trust a person that you don't know. Remember when Hyundai first came out? Y'all didn't want a Hyundai. Now, now everybody got one. And remember when Sony first came out? Everybody got a Sony or they only now. Sony or they <laughs> so there you go. We want to thank you for coming, Mr. That Guy. Well, yes. thank you for inviting Mr. me. Mr. Dennis Peterson. Y'all go yeah, uptown on broke. Okay, get a question. I had a question, but then I think I forgot it. Oh, if I if I just bring my <laughs> if I just bring my prescriptions to you, then you can just do them there. Right, right. That's, That's right. That's what I can do. And also because I do my own lab work, um, if you have a frame that you've loved for 15, 20 years. If you're Sally Jesse Raphael and that's your look, okay. and you have an updated prescription, that's what I do also. Because okay. most people want to sell you a frame. I mean, I want to sell you a frame too, but right. because I do lab work and I know that some people, they have their look. For you know, I mean, Goss has those glasses that he's wearing now, and that's what I met him in, and that's part of his look. So but yeah, I have, there's a couple I of have other an people. Well, he does have an eye drop now, but <laughs> but Don't you know, there's me. a few other people that I could mention on the boulevard that have done business with me. Uh, there's Michael Chavez from Son of a Bean, and he's got this. Uh, I don't know if it's a Prada or I can't remember the brand name, but it's his look. It's a yellow frame. It's a checkerboard. You've okay, seen the glasses. Yeah. So I told him when he came in, it's like, this is your look. Okay. You need an updated prescription. I'll do that part for you. Okay. So I could do that too. Okay. So I could just bring my, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. Go get my, cause like I said, they got me. So what, what ends up happening with most people? Because a lot of people don't want to do that. They just want to sell you a frame, and I get that, too. But mm -hmm. what happens with most people is if they come into my shop and they let me do that and they're, they're sitting around waiting for me to do the work, a lot of times they'll wander around and they'll find something to add to their eye drobe. Eye drobe, yeah. <laughs> let, me ask, let me ask you a question that a lot of people want to know. Can I go to the store at the drugstore, get a pair of sunglasses, and bring that frame because I love that frame? Could I bring that frame to you and have my prescription put into it? Well, or you know. Can it handle it? Oh, no. Most people in town will tell you, no, it's not an ophthalmic quality frame. Okay. However, I've been known to put a lens in a hubcap if you let me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a skill. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay, we're going to end on that. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Dennis Peterson, everybody. That guy I wear uptown uh -oh. in the design district, Del Paso Boulevard. That sister got a question real quick. Just real quick. Um, there are some insurances I can build. I'm out of network. Most people in this town have VSP. And that's one of the ones that I'm out of network. I can bill it. It's at a reduced reimbursement rate. But because my prices, particularly my lens prices, are wholesale, because I I started out as a wholesaler and I still am. So the prices I charge the public are pretty much the same thing as I charge doctor's offices. So um, I can bill it. But once the, once the doctor's there, that will change everything. Yeah, that will change um, medical billing as well as just vision plans. 
So where are you located again? 2203 Del Paso Boulevard in the Uptown Design District. Okay. That's right. Say it. Say it. Uptown in the Design District. And you do have a website? You have a website? I do have a website. Uh, I have a website. It's uh, thatguyeyewear.com. Okay. I also have an online store, which is called Hecaspecs.com. Hecaspecs. Okay. Hecaspecs. And that's the online that's store. Very, that's very sacramental in right there. Hecaspecs. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Is there a number? A phone number? Yeah, a phone number. You have a... Yes. The phone number is 916-226-0257. Say it again. 916-226-0257. I awesome think they want to hear one again. Awesome sauce. 916 <laughs> That's for the slow people. <laughs> okay. Please give this brother a call. Get your prescriptions at Costco. Get your eyewear on. Go, come to this brother right here and, and get your, you know, support that guy, that guy right there. Support him. Tell him Black Talk Sacramento sent you. That's right. That's right. And you get nothing off of that. That's right. We're going to tell you ahead of time. No coupons. <laughs> <laughs> you get no, you oh, won't get you won't get that. Okay, thank you very right. much. Thank, oh, you. thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? It was about 8.52 when I wrote this. I had a moment. I had to let out some emotion. Excuse my diagnosis. Hey, Tony. Uh, I, I think last time that we were on, uh, we did the show, we were talking to Lawrence. And Lawrence said that he was going to kick a poem. I don't know. I can't. I came late. Have a seat. Have a seat, Tony. Have a seat, Tony. So he said he promised. That is correct. Wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. No, I wasn't here. Yeah. I wasn't here. You know what? I because I the thing was, Mary Shaw had brought up that this man has never said a poem on his show. On his show? Three his show. years. We've been on his show three years. years and he okay. has not. And we know how brilliant he is. I ain't trying to patronize you, but you are. <laughs> yes, yes. But not, not here. You did say. Multiple poetry books, uh, multiple venues that you Multiple poetry performances. Mo- performances. Yep. You're, you're singing. One of the top poets in, in Sacramento. Sacramento. He has expanded his. Look at his face. He's craft so much that now he's added photography to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, okay. He has illustrations going. He's got illustrations going. Okay. Come on, man. Come on. Okay. Share. Yeah. Okay. Well, What'd you I'll, learn today? Get all right. All right. All right. This is what you call putting the brother on the spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, he said he would do it, so. But you sure remember, didn't yeah. you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't wait. I had I just forgot. He was probably thinking, they ain't going to remember. <laughs> they never going to remember. <laughs> So come on, what you gonna do? I don't know. What y'all wanna hear? Something, something groovy. Come on, say something. Something groovy. Something groovy. Something for today. Something for right yeah, now. For right now. You no, know, you know what all the ills going on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Hey, some, talk to us right now. Feel good, thing. black folk stuff, brother. Oh, oh, really? Feel good, black. Make black it feel good. Stuff. Right. Blackness. But you said feel good. Feel, but feel good. Well, I know you got some of that. Okay. Rebellion. Potato pie. <laughs> Potato pie feel good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, at know. this time, I would like to introduce Inter- no other than. All right, this is, this is, um, you know, those of you guys know that I do poetry is not, I very rarely do feel good stuff. Um, but I'm gonna try to do something feel good. This is old, this is an oldie and go- but goody, goody. And, um, just for you guys, because, you know, I really don't like to multitask too much. Go on with it. All right, all right, all right. Let it happen. I am jazz. Blues, rap, hip-hop, swing, doo-wop, funk, 
ragtime, scratch, Negro, spiritual, rhythm and blues, soul, break, tap, swing, crump. Nation Islam, 10% to Hebrew, A-M-E, I am Urban League. N-double-A-C-P, Black Panther, ex-slave, free Negro, new Negro, colored, African-American, black, black, take that back, black and a proud, Buffalo Soldier, Tuskegee Airmen, Freedom Rider, Invisible Man, black nationalist, soul of black folk, African, I am Afro, Hata Fade, Dreadlock, Natural, Jerry Curl, Parachute Pants, Michael Jackson's One Glove, Pistol Guitar Strings, Hancock's Keyboard, Louis Trumpet, Sammy Shoes, Ella's Voice, Black is Beautiful, Shirley Chisholm, Friends, how many of us have them? Electricide, Run DMC, uh, Run DMC, uh, Run DMC, up, uh, Glasses, I am Unk, Afro Sapien, Ebony Nation, Jet, Diaspora, Fubu, Zoot Suit, Zulu, I am Afrotropolis, 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 one nation under the fuck. Thank you, thank you. Are you satisfied? I am satisfied. We is satisfied. Because I am satisfied. I can't get no. All right, all right. All right, so what's happening? Okay, okay, I'll try to do feel good. Yeah, yes. That was feeling good. So next guest. Next coming forward. Coming forward. Uh this 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 gentleman has been around uh for a while in Sacramento, protecting the Sacramento neighborhoods. Uh and he you know, he steps out uh amongst among many. Mm. To to make sure when I say protect when I say protect I mean protect right this this protect and this, serve yeah protect and serve this right. this gentleman is a sheriff and he speaks out whenever sheriff he deputy. sees any ill well yeah yeah mm-hmm. sheriff's deputy when he sees any illness that's happening in the community ladies and gentlemen I would like to introduce no other than Henry Harry Henry Harry. Huge drama. Got more Welcome DVD. to Black Talk Sacramento, Mr. Harry. Books your whole family than ever read. But know everything Mac Dre said. Mac Dre more popular than Jesus nowadays. Nigga been more short than a polo man. Welcome. Thank you. Come on in. Thank you. Come on. Our pleasure. Man, it's been a minute, man. Let's go. I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. Okay. So how you been doing? How you been doing? I have. Personally, I've been doing good. I've been blessed in my personal life, and work has been interesting over the years. Yeah, I, so, I see you still out there on the front line, man. Yeah, I am. But, uh, you know, you called me and you said, come on down and, and talk about what I've been doing. Yeah. So I made a few notes, and I thought, and I said, I wanted to make sure that uh, I told your audience. Uh, I'm thinking it's, it's more than 10 years ago that um, I was patrolling this area in the county, but coming up in Toad Park. And I caught up with you, Mike Lambert, and several other community activists. Fell in love with the neighborhood, and uh, we started working together. And that idea of us working together was all centered around making the neighborhood better, doing something for kids. And, you know, it's come full circle. Here we are again. Here we are again. Uh, Still the same mindset, uh, you know, trying to make things better for folks. And so, you know, I'm just happy to be here and see both of us, you know, still doing it and still going. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about some of the the issues that are going on today. Um, There's been a lot of... uh, uh, a lot of things that are happening on both sides. So we've been having a lot of police violence uh, in Sacramento, 
against uh, citizens. And then we also have been having a lot of uh, crime in the neighborhood, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say, I don't necessarily want to say black on black crime, but that's basically what it is, is, you know, we have neighborhood wars that are happening right now. What are some of the things that you think are causing it? And what can we do as a community to try to put a stop to it? Okay. Um, First of all, let me say that um, um, the sheriff requires us. He sent me an email a long time ago when I come to places and speak. He wanted me to make sure that anything I say is on my own behalf. I'm not a representative of the sheriff's department tonight. Right. Um, and to answer your question, um, it, you know, it's something I've been thinking about and writing about for years. And you think about what you're doing here now. You have African-American men around the table communicating to the public. Um, you have problems in almost every major city across this country that no one escapes the fact that we have, you know, a lot of young people uh, shooting uh, at, at people they grew up with, causing basically small wars in neighborhoods, and it's taken a toll on our, on our, on our country economically, people going to prison, uh, folks that go to jail, they leave their families behind, they leave kids behind, so it, it's devastating. So we'll, we'll take it in pieces. Um, if, if I'm asked what is causing this and driving it, you know, I spent a lot of time with uh, young people who uh, have committed crimes, uh, whether, you know, having just arrested them or talking to them behind, the, you know, behind the walls of uh, jail cells and prisons. And um, the thing that strikes me mostly is that so many of our young people are lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I asked this question so many times, and what I've concluded is you, we have such an abandoned population of young people. Uh, and, and maybe a lot of it came out of, you know, uh, the, the drug use in the 80s and 90s and, you know, families breaking up. But I talked to so many kids, and one of the key factors they tell me is, is when you're, you're walking around and you're poor and you don't have, uh, you know, some of these kids describe that. They have nothing. You know, they're going to school and somebody's feeding them, but any type of spending money, they don't have it. And so uh, when someone comes along and says, hey, you know, I have some easy money for you. We'll we'll push this person down, take an iPhone, take it over here and sell it and get a little money. Um, uh, Slowly that becomes attractive. And then people get caught up into that. And as uh, many of us know, one wrong move, uh, you know, you're pushing someone down, you're committing a robbery, and all of a sudden you're, you're a felon. You got a record. You know, all of a sudden you're a felon. It's not a small thing. Right, right. So in combination of that, you have uh, some of these young folks who are just uh, raised in families uh, that are initiating them in, into the gang lifestyle at five, six, seven years old. They're, they're dressing their kids as little gangsters. And right. so at 10 years old, you know, an older cousin is, is coaching you up, waiting for the day that you can come and run with them. So how does that kid have a chance that they have no responsible adults in their lives? It's inevitable that they're going to get in trouble. And once again, without a uh, solid family structure or some adult in their life to pull them away from it, it's what I've seen personally is just year after year after year in the system. And then the next thing you know, you're an adult, you can commit a crime, and it's just easy for the system to send you away for 20 years. Uh, and, and the cycle just continues. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, we all know that there's a problem. We constantly see the problem every day. For you, for you as a person that's out there every day and you seeing it firsthand, 
What would you be? What would you say to some of the young people? How could they avoid it? Uh, that's that's the question. I mean, um, I, I I asked the question. I dig deep with any young person that will talk to me, and some and I asked the question. You know, what pulled you into this? Was it the gang lifestyle? Was it? And just what I said earlier, some of it's poverty and inevitably they swing into it, but. Um, People say it, and it's true. You you have to have. We have to offer these young people something other than what's there. Okay. When when they're at that critical moment and they're getting ready to make that decision of going and running with a gang member or one person who's going to do something bad, if if we're not there to offer them something different, they have but one choice. So so it, it's part of it's the young people, but part of it is through the schools. Uh, uh, through communities, making sure that we're giving them something different. You know, when I was growing up, we used to have this thing called night gym. Mm -hmm. We used to, they used to open up the gyms in the school, sit in the city, and that was where the kids can go. And there was some, there was an adult there that played basketball with them. They had sports and stuff like that. I'm not saying basketball is everything, but it gave them some place to go. You know, I think programs such as that, after school programs, programs for young people up to 18 years old need to come back into play again. Um, like you said, if you give them something else to do, they'll have something else to do. If I don't have no paper, I'm going to write on your wall. Right. No, it, it, and, and it is that simple. It, you know, we understand it is that simple. The creative process is then how do we and what do we do to uh, engage the kids? And we've done some things. I don't think everything works. We can't have, you know, this one-size-fits-all program. Yeah. But, uh, for example, there's probably a dozen kids out there that would like to be doing this. They just don't know that you guys are doing it. And how do you and then how can you mentor them into this? You know, it, it really is. It's the church. It's just the school. It's, it's all of the folks sitting down together. But I, I think that's the problem. How many times and maybe it's happening and I don't see it. But I think you need a principal, a police chief, a church member, somebody coming to a place like this in this community and brainstorming what we do. For example. Um, if I had more money, I'd put some, I'd contribute some of my personal money toward this. Just give me an idea. What if the city said, okay, in, in a particular location here, we're going to make sure that these folks can uh, use the water for free. And the community said, okay, let's start a car wash so that a kid could come over, work for four hours, maybe earn uh, 50 bucks uh, and move on. Uh, if that is part of our community way of engaging these kids into washing cars, and I'd wash my car once a week for five bucks. How many other people would drive from other places just to make sure on a weekend we're coming to have the car washed so that these kids can make money? But it takes the city, one, making that effort and saying, in this work location, we're going to let the water run there and if they can do it for free. People need to get paid to administer the program, but again, just think about it. You know, thousands of people come into a location to watch cars, kids making 50 bucks. Now he doesn't have to go out and steal something. So I, I think just some of the out-of-the-box thinking like that, that's just one idea uh, that, that can help engage the community. Uh, in addition to that, for example, if a kid wanted to participate in that program, we could put some other condition on, like, you got to be in school. you got to do some things. you got to, you know, be attending, you know, certain programs. But here's a way for you to make 50 bucks on the weekend or 100 without committing crimes. Yeah, I think it's a, one of the things I see with the young people is that they're dealing with some adult problems. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, young kids 
shouldn't have to be thinking about rent and eating and, you know, dinner and, and breakfast. And, you know, and that's why the Black Panthers started their breakfast program. Right. Back in the day, because that was a serious issue was that these kids was malnourished and um, you can't expect someone. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I'll talk about this uh, with friends of mine. We talk about um, the community's short sightedness. For instance, I'll give you a good example. We have Flint, Michigan, that's happening in Flint. Right. You have the water problem with lead. Now, lead has been proven to lower IQ and cause all kind of health problems. But 20 years from now, those kids are going to be adults, and we're going to forget all about what happened in Flint. And we're going to be blaming them for their low IQ problems. And we're going to be blaming them for their health problems. You know, why can't you live right? Why didn't you eat right? And we're going to forget all about what happened to them. And the same thing happened with the crack epidemic. I was going to say, yeah. The crack, this, the yeah. crack epidemic, epidemic where we have yeah. kids now, the adults now, that was crack babies or living in that situation when... And um, was never... You, uh, and never given the right... Um, uh, what... Healing, yes. Healing, healing or, and or, counseling, or, counseling or, 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 or anything. You know, they have nourishment. Yeah, they they have PTSD. They have all these different situations, and and this is what's happening right now with kids. Right now is that you have this meth epidemic that's happening right now. You have all these things that's going on. Then on top of that, you have them thinking about where I'm going to stay tonight. They couch surf, surfing at 16 years old, yeah. going from one place homeless. to... It's a lot of homeless. A lot of homeless, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, have, then you have the group home thing of people aging out of group homes. Oh, and nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere to go. It's a very... It's, it's the situation that our young people are in is appalling. In a, in a, in a, and we just can't expect them to... They, they're not going to play by society's rules to try to, if they need to eat, you know. And, and what you said is a good example of, of a nice brainstorm. It's like, okay, we need to figure out a way to help these kids get something. And then they, they kids as well, so they're they looking at what everybody else has. Then they want new sneakers. They want to look good. They want a new cell phone. They want all these things. And, and, um, and they got a kid's mind. So I, to me, it's, it's a daunting problem. And my heart goes out to anyone that tries to solve it. Because it is a very, you know, um, puzzle of monumental. Uh, what you've said, um, I agree with 100%. Uh, it, it's, it seems insurmountable, but the challenge we face is, is to actually address that. Uh, city councilman and assembly person, uh, that's their goal, to try to figure out what's broken in society and fix it. And it is uh, a tremendous um, what I want to say about that, uh, if, 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 I, if what I'm saying makes sense following your answer is... I know I've painted a broad stroke. It, it is, mm. it is. But when you look at what's happening, with all of those things happening, you also see something happening in the city and cities across America. It's getting too expensive. You know, yeah. so, you know, top of the problem you yeah. just described, the rents Sacramento. are going, the rents are going <laughs> Through astronomical. The roof. Yeah. And so the problem is going to get worse. Then city councils, uh, not just ours in Sacramento, in my opinion, the mm-hmm. board of supervisors, I was at one of their meetings when they came along and they gave the uh, developers a break. They actually lowered the number of um, low-income units that the builders had to build oh, wow. with the developments. Um, you know, I was there uh, against that because in the short term, it may not seem bad, but you look over 20 years, that means 
it's that many number of low-income housing units available for mm-hmm. folks. So I've said before, again, thinking outside the box, why isn't our priority in Oak Park and other places to build those one-bedroom units for the people that, that need that transition from their mother's homes and then into a family life? Mm-hmm. But you, our, we should be building a bunch of one-bedroom homes. Now, we're building, you know, two, three, four-bedroom homes for the people who are going to come in and spend $400,000. Mm-hmm. Did you see in Detroit they're building um, homes for families that were homeless? They were they're one be- they're actually one Are you talking about the tiny homes? The tiny homes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go Very online cool. and check out the tiny homes. Okay. They're amazing. Okay. So, um, and, and not knocking you, so I hope this doesn't come no, no. off the wrong way. Uh, build my people a regular home. Don't give them a tiny home. We got land. Yeah. We got resources. We've got new building technologies that you know are so much better than what we've had before. Yeah. Uh, and and then let the people build. Like I say, when you think outside the box, for example, you've got all of this manpower and labor around here. Why aren't these folks building their own houses? That's going to come about. But again, that comes back to politics and the vision. The person sitting in that seat. What vision do they have for people? And I'm law enforcement, but I think I'm so political because. In law enforcement, I have gotten to see public policy play out, uh, you know, right before my eyes. I've seen welfare policy play out before my eyes. I've seen, uh, you know, um, whether it's uh, housing policies and people not having a place to live, how they get priced out of homes and what happens to them. I've seen these policies play out right before my eyes. And so, uh, you know, I think most officers understand the importance of the politics that are going on behind the scene and how that drives what happens to people. Just for the record, to anybody out there, I would gladly accept a tiny home. <laughs> for the record. If you're handing out tiny homes, I would gladly take one. <laughs> Just for the record, I don't need a fool, you know what I'm saying? I'm a small guy. I don't need that much. Okay, so. Um, but but everything you said, it, like I said, it, it's, uh, um, yeah, we have to start thinking. And like you said, it, it's, um, I, I think we have to tell the people in, in, in governance that it's not a sin to be poor. And um, poor is not a person. It's, it's a situation. But it's not that. I mean, it's not a sin to be poor. It's like you know what 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 the Bible says: the poor will have you will have always. So uh, with you always. So it's it's not. And a lot of times we penalize people for being poor. And 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 it and it's okay. It's like you will always have somebody that's poor. And and all all, all I see is that people are are like you said squeezing the poor, and they have to go somewhere. Right. They have to go somewhere. So um, um, I know that um, my brother Tony, you got some questions for him. Oh, or? you don't have to move though. Oh, yeah. just okay. Just slide. I definitely want to get in on this discussion. Yeah, yeah. But, but can I say something about his comment about being poor? Um, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, uh, and it's very segregated. Black folks way on this side of town. White folks. Way What's the name of that city, please? It's a uh, Poplarville, Mississippi. Any, any, anybody got relatives from a small poor town where, where a lot of the people the poor yeah yeah so so much pride for in, in in those people so much pride so much respect for themselves and their community so what i would say to you is it i don't think it's not how people are i can't say this i don't think it's how people are looking upon poor people i think it's how they value um 
the, the people, it's how they value them and what they're going to do for them. Because I'll say it again, depending on who's in office, that determines how people are treated and what's going to be done for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's not the poor people, it's the, it's the people in office and how much energy you put into helping to fix what's broken. I only think people, you know, specifically black folks even know that they're poor struggling at times because we're so good at it. Right. We're so good at it. You know, we're going to make, make ends make. We, we are survivors. Correct. Correct. And I'm not trying to switch uh, gears, to, uh, Deputy Harry, but I did want to uh, ask you this because you are a man in blue and, you know, it's always the conversation of what's happening with uh, cops relations with the community, specifically the black community. From your perspective, and you've been in this for many years, and um, I love the work that you do. What it's like out there right now to be a cop in the streets of Sacramento? Okay, so uh, let me just say this. I, I'm at the courthouse right now. I've been there for a number of years, and as you know, I was out been patrolling. Been a pop officer. Uh, mm -hmm. Been a pop officer out patrolling the neighborhoods, uh, turn the corner, start chasing everything, moving. I've done all of that. Uh, but I stay in touch with the officers, you know, I'm out or in, in the public and, um, you know, there, there's a, how can I say, I think there's a fear, there's tension and there's concern on all sides. You have, you have officers, you know, they're, they're, they recognize that they're not supermen. They know that they can get shot. They recognize that there are, there's a lot of anger out there and, and there's, there's some fear. There's some, some more concern than ever before that you put on your uniform, you go to work and somebody that's mad about something doesn't mind taking shots you know, at the police. So this is the environment that we're working in. A lot of officers, and I was at city council not too long ago, uh, talking, you know, at the podium, uh, making my comments. And I said to the folks, you know, all, all of the officers, every one of us, we're not your enemy. There are problems, but we're not your enemy. And, and I think there's some space out there to work together. But the environment that we're policing in today, I think it, it's it, today, you, you, I hear more and more people saying, hey, maybe it's time for me to draw back and, and maybe not contact some people. And my thing is, I think that's bad. I, I think if we... And what, and what's what do you say? In what, you say in what that? sense? What you mean by that? Okay, Drawback so, and uh, okay. So uh, officers go out, they make a lot of contacts. They do what we've been trained to do. In this, in the environment today, I think a lot of officers, older and young, the mindset is, well, maybe, maybe we just pull back and not go out and make some of the contacts that we would otherwise make. Maybe we just stay back and wait for somebody to call us for help, and then we go do that. But, hey, do I really want to go pull over this guy, have him yell racism at me when I have to put hands on him now I'm being sued or and or he's shooting me? But what happened to the policemen walking around in the neighborhood that, that used to do the beat thing? You know, back in the day, there used to be the cop that walked the beat, and you got to know that the, knew the knew they the knew the people in the neighborhood. The neighborhood. And what happened to that? Uh, it, it, it went away, and probably for a good reason in the sense that you you can cover more ground with a car. Um, in, in some of the cities where, where they had those beat officers, uh, probably say back in New York, maybe in Chicago, you'd have tens of thousands of people living in a small area. Mm -hmm. in, in that case, it was probably efficient for an officer to one, two or three blocks, get a call, hey, run over here and help these guys out over here. But in an area like Sacramento, can you imagine being, uh, just say here, for example, and you know, a mile away, someone's calling for help. So you, you, is, it, is, it, is it a matter of low personnel, or well? It, oh, just it, just for just for the record, we have ten more minutes. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So so, yeah, you you it take you an extra you know thousands of cops to adequately respond to these things. So a car just just 
makes, makes it, it more easy. practical. Well, I, I think we having I, we'll, we'll answer in a second, but I think having a car it makes sense to mm -hmm. respond. But I, I still think that that officer needs to get out of the car mm -hmm. and make its rounds. Um, you know, so he becomes part of the community. I, th I think that's part of the problem. We we see I don't only see you until you on me. Right, right, right. No, no, I agree with you guys 100 yeah. percent that that would be better. Uh, you guys obviously know probably that Sacramento's down probably more than 200 police officers mm -hmm. from right. the old days. Right. A lot of them abandoned ship and came to Sacramento. And even when they were fully staffed, uh, you, it, it takes more officers. If, if I had the money, I would do it. I would definitely. When I was, uh, as my man mentioned, I was a pop officer. One of the things that I got so much reward out of is, um, and I still get people today come to me and say, man, Mr. Harry, I remember we used to get out of the car and just throw the football around with right. us. You said well, a I was pop one, officer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pop. But I was one officer that had that position and was able to do that. You know, and sometimes we were doing it in multiple neighborhoods, but not everybody could do that. Most of these guys were going from call to call going after the shooter, going after the person that beat up their wife, going after the person that, you know, burglarized the place. Okay, Mr. And when I met you, you was working off uh, 29th Street. You yeah. was it? You he was in it. He was in, yeah. yeah. He was in the midst of it. Uh, Mr. Peterson? Well, you know, I was, yeah. I was thinking about what you were saying about the question about the beat officer. And I was having a conversation with Mike. I think I was trying to you straight about that because he's actually a huge And, you know, being from Jersey, I understand it's easy to have a beat officer. And then living in Phoenix, where it's so spread out. There's no way, like what you're saying, there's no way that's possible. Right. But I'm thinking for a town like Sacramento, where there's certain parts of town where that's which would be more practical, for example, Del Paso Boulevard. Yeah. Because one of the problems as a, as a merchant out there that I see is that the people that are creating problems out there is the lack of contact, whether it's police department, whether it's college security. Yeah. Right. And I think that I personally go out there and try to meet the people that are out there. My attitude was, this is their neighborhood. Right. I did our, this I didn't have a brand new shop. But I think that there would probably be, it would be easier for the officers to move people along if they had some kind of report with them. Right. And, and I will say to you, at least downtown, I think there's a bicycle unit, and mm -hmm. they're out riding around. And that's that's some the more contact, but they got a little way to pedal around a little faster, and they should definitely be in your area. Yeah, they should um, get with the horses. Yeah, they should, yeah. They should so they should definitely be in your area. But again, that <laughs> that is that is one of the issues that you should be pushing your new chief on, your city yeah. council member on, because I agree that that should be happening. A couple of bike officers in a neighborhood like that, or even one can make so much of a difference. Up and down. I know. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we have another question from Nadia. I have two questions again. <laughs> She's coming to us. So my first question is, I, um, I'm overwhelmed by what's going on in the news with the police and black people. I want to know, um, how do you reconcile that? Because you're having a much closer view. My view is through the news. Your view is up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, reality sets in for me, and I accept for what it is, and that, you know, I've been working in law enforcement for a while. And some people, I, I don't think we say this enough. At the end of the day, for us, uh, our profession is just like every other profession. So uh, we have we have bad actors. We have, uh, we have cops that, you know, have done some bad things. They're, they're, they're thieves. They're... They're racist, they're, they're homophobic, they're, you know, they're, they're some of them unfit to have the job, uh, heavy handed. And you know what? Some of them are racist. Yeah. 
and that's the that's the reality of, of our life that we police in. So I don't take I don't say that that it's okay. I say I accept that reality that you know some people you would say that to and oh, I'm shocked. No. So what what percent, uh, what percentage of the Sacramento um, officers is is, is African American? Um, let's see these numbers before. Let me see if I can say this because I, I think it should be on here. A, a few years back when Ferguson came out, a lot of police agencies analyzed themselves and had been dealing with it before. I think at that time the city acknowledged that less than four percent of the less than four percent of the police department was African American. I had brought those numbers up years we'll before that. I, I yeah, brought those yeah. numbers up years. I, I brought those numbers up years before that. By my estimate, and no one argued me because I sent a letter to the city council. When the city had about 700 police officers, according to their own goals, they should have had about 130 uh, black officers. At the time, they were down to like 34 to 40. Right. So we've right. got a long ways to go. And then I think the county uh, kind of mirrored that in one sense. But the county population of African-American residents is less than the city. And so they really go by those numbers. But I think everybody would acknowledge that you need more African-American, more Asian, more women uh, in law enforcement, 100%. I, I, no, I, know the city, I think real, real quick. <coughs> oh, I, I definitely want to give one more. Yeah, OK, OK. Um, two more, OK. Can you come back uh, next month? I, I, yeah, I know. My yeah. Go. <laughs> OK. Um, I, OK. OK. I, I think that part of the problem is, is isn't that there that we know that there are racist uh, police officers. I think the problem is it's nothing done about those that are racist. You know what I'm saying? They're not taking them out. They're not going to jail. They're not, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think I, I know what there's you're no, saying, and I think that's the there's no consequence for doing yeah. bad things. Yeah. Right. And and that's the other part of her question that I thought I realized I don't think I quite answered all of her questions. So she did have two though. Okay, okay. So um I would say that I would agree with you that um, the problems I described or that I said, the, the ills that we have in law enforcement, I think it depends on where you are as to how much of that is tolerated in, in a particular city. And that's where your leadership comes in. Mm -hmm. For for members of the public to be upset that they don't think that we're dealing with folks, I think they're right and shame on us. Right. Okay, now then, then another question, and I won't try to answer it now, the other question is, what do you do about it? I guess I'll try to, I will try to say a couple of things. Um, leadership has to create an environment where it's, I don't get punished for coming forward and saying, I think Jack has a problem. Problem, right, you know? right, right, right. You know, I did that, you know, that I'm coming to, imagine, like I say, imagine, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, imagine if there's a good old boy institution, right? Mm -hmm. And a captain, a lieutenant, and a sergeant have that mentality. Yeah. So I'm coming forward saying something about Joe, and everybody I run into is a problem. I probably, if I've been around that agency for a while, I probably know not to say anything. Yeah. I know what opposition I'm running right. into right. already. Right. So again, it's up to who you hire as a leader to set the tone as to how things are going to go. But also, too, in, wherever you are, you also have politicians who can have a stronger voice than me or someone else right. to say, hey, I know my constituents are concerned about this. I want something done about it. You, um, they, want, they want to be tough on crime. Though. We're a uh, last question. Okay, thanks. And, um, and I appreciate you coming on our show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had this discussion on Facebook. It's not a problem. This is a great discussion because we got a man in blue. You know, Scott Jones has announced that he's not going to run for a third term. Uh, now, I've seen Scott elevate black off people of color to uh, higher rankings. Mm -hmm. Okay, then on the other side, you know, 
He's been behind a lot of lawsuits, not him particularly, but his department, uh, rising costs of lawsuits. So he's moving on. And you did say leadership. Leadership matters. Yes. But I do want to get to this specific question now that we have you on there, because you have ran for public office before. Would this be something that you'd be interested in? Uh, I had running, running for uh, sheriff, sheriff. Sacramento County Sheriff. I'd have to say honestly, I, I, I would lie to you if, if I said I hadn't been considering it. Uh, and one of the things, some an older uh, person who had been in management actually said to me, Henry, you know, laid out some scenarios and said, hey, you know, I think you've established yourself as a person that people might want to follow. So for me to say that I haven't thought about it, I'd be lying to you. Um, well, then go but, on and run, you know, the, the backdrop that we have now, like I said, the environment that we're policing in, you know, I, I have to give it some consideration. Going back to that leadership question, depending on who stands up and says they're going to run, you know, I might feel an internal obligation to say, hey, we can do better than that. Now, we might get a very strong ethical person that's going to be able to not get us into lawsuits and not let their personal integrity and personal behavior overshadow the office. And, and let's hope for that. But again, uh, depending on what happens in the next few weeks, you know, I, I might feel a strong obligation to stand up and say, if not elected, at least I can advance in my ideas, you know, within the department. All right. All right. Well, well, hopefully wait, 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 you know, wait, 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 one more. You got two people. Same question I was asked to me because you were talking about time and everything about the disconnect between the black community and the police department. So you were talking about the numbers being four percent. So the question that was asked to me, I'll ask you: How do you reach out to kids? And it seems to be more challenging for you. To so you see that this is a profession that's having to get into, and ultimately raise those numbers. Uh, once again, it depends on the focus of the leadership, and I do believe that almost. Almost every agency since Ferguson understands that and, and has been putting more effort into it. I mm -hmm. bet if you talk to the chief, he'd tell you that. But as a community, uh, I think the way you do it is to try, and I've done this for years, but we need more officers doing it. Uh, I go on my own, uh, not in a uniform, and, and talk to kids at school uh, all the time. I'm known for it, so people will ask me to come talk to the kids. And I run some kids through scenarios, and the next thing you know, some of the hardest kids in the room are saying, hey, I kind of see why you do what you do sometime. And you can change minds within a matter of a few minutes. Sure. All right. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, has, she has a question, and then this should be our last question. Last question. So, okay, so I've been uh, dealing with a number of groups, and also I, I'll tell you, I got a call from my sister who's a social worker, she had a call from a guy who was sitting in the car ready to commit suicide and she had to get him to a hospital. Normally she would call the police, but considering this was a homeless African-American guy in a very nice car, she was frightened to call the police for what would happen to him. And so I and I've dealt with a lot of other groups who are saying we need to start policing our own communities so that we don't have to call the police. I'd like to know what you have to say to, to that mindset. Um, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with more people becoming involved in their community. Uh, you have to weigh out every situation. And you have to remember this. Uh, it's a small percentage of people that are actually shot by the police. The vast majority of police officers I know are level-headed and good people. Okay, In the African-American community, do we have a, a heightened fear that something's going to go wrong? Sure. But uh, I... I personally wouldn't be afraid to call the police. But that's kind of like that's kind of like Russian roulette, right? Because you don't know who you're going to get, right. as, well, unless you can call and say, "I want this officer to come through." And then, I, and then, if if, if you have a, a black 
man that's sitting in the car with a gun that's talking about committing suicide. That's that's like you know, that's a dangerous that's situation. a dangerous situation, right? Yeah, yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but you know, but on on the other yeah. side of it, yeah, it's kind of like. Yeah. If I, if I, like, for instance, if, if you had, like, a, maybe if we didn't have cops that, 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 that walk the beat, maybe we can have a cop that is responsible for a certain area, and, and, uh, and uh, the community can call that certain cop when they need help, then I think that that would be, we have to have some kind of way to make sure that the cop we're getting is a level-headed cop that you're talking about, and that's the... Because uh, we do, I mean, well, well, two things. to be honest. Two things, as I said. I accept the reality that there's a real fear in the African-American community of making that call. I accept it. That, you know, I accept that reality. Uh, on the other hand, you know, you're not going to have a cop that's not going to be, you know, you're going to be on a day off one day when you need him, and he's going to be gone. So obviously the goal is to make sure all of our officers are, are, are that cop that you want. You know, we got to make sure we, we that's that's the challenge. We have to make sure that all of our officers are the cop that you won't come in sure. to that call. Yeah. Okay, but, okay. So that's, thank you for that answer. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to get out We here. definitely, we want to thank you and Absolutely. Mr. Peterson for coming out. We definitely would lo love to have both of you guys back because please come back. Very yeah, please come back. Uh, yeah, uh, please. Discussions yes. that we need please. to have, and especially, especially if you during announce this time. That you're gonna... Yes, announce it on Black Talk. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah, 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 right here, <laughs> <laughs> right here. It could be, right it could be a world premiere. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you guys, I promise you, I'll come back because I think there's a lot of uh, good in the give and take uh, yeah. that we have here, and hopefully share it with other folks. And then, I will come back. Okay. Okay, great. And I love the idea that you brought up about bringing uh, some of the younger men and women in here to help run this right great. here, do what we do, because right. I think that's giving back, and, too. And, and I will say this and put a council member on the spot. Uh, I should be giving you a grant to help pay these kids to be here for a few hours. Let's do this. Uh, to do this and learn something and then apply that to school. Right, mm -hmm. right. I agree. I agree. Well, I would like to thank everybody. Uh, this yeah. is Black Talk Sacramento. Number Black 35. Talk, yeah. Number 35. We're signing off. My name is Marichelle <laughs> J. Brown. I'm Jerry Guy Simpson. I'm Inside I. I'm Antonio, quote, unquote, Antonio Harvey. This got is it all Black back. Talk. Antonio, Tony, uh, quote unquote, Harvey. Who are you, man? <laughs> Black Talk Sacramento, y'all. He messed up 35. his old folks. <laughs> we'll see you next month. See you Thank soon. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. That was erroneous. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>